Welcome to the Unlocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Alrighty, welcome back to episode number 13 of Unblocking Crypto. Um, we are going to probably do something a little bit different today since Bitcoin 22 just 2022 just happened. And I think it makes sense to spend some time talking a little bit more about that. So how I think maybe this time before we jump into that, I'll give you some of the news, I guess, from my end that I'm paying attention to. And then we'll spend the rest of the time talking about um, what you saw at Bitcoin 2022. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. So uh, I know we've talked a couple of times about other countries adopting Bitcoin as a legal tender. And there is a small portion of Honduras that just announced that they are going to make Bitcoin a legal tender. Um, I think it's just a, a tourist economic zone, but it's still kind of exciting to see more countries doing that. And and uh, I'm hoping that we'll get to four to beat my over under for the year. Right. So I'm, I'm kind of this is a half, by the way. Um, yeah, there was I think there's another half that you could count. Uh, there's they were talking about it in uh, some of the panels at the Bitcoin conference. So there's like a, a Honduras economic zone and then there was another one another small kind of a, a, a city or town or something that uh that's doing it so yeah it's it's like everything it's th- game theory things build like if it, it worked for el salvador it'll work for me and then they keep ramping it up so yep so exciting stuff and then the other thing that i w- saw was um not to sound like a broken record on nfts but it's still one of the things that i pay a little bit of attention to ESPN inked a deal with Tom Brady's NFT platform Autograph to release some NFTs there. So I think there's still a little bit more detail to come out, but um, just more excitement around the NFT space. And it's still got a long ways to go before it becomes really mainstream, in my opinion. Um, but it's it's cool to see some of the big name people getting to that as well. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. So I'm, I'm intrigued to hear what uh, you listen to in terms of the Bitcoin 22, 2022 stuff. And uh, we'll just turn it over to you and I'll probably ask some questions as we go along. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so Bitcoin 2022 in Miami, uh, I was like, I had like buyer's remorse of not going. Right. So I was like uh, kind of checking in with YouTube. They were live streaming it. They did a pretty good job with the production of um, sending the information out or, or sending the videos out. So it looked, it looked pretty good. Um, it's Bitcoin conference. So it's kind of like, uh, they'll have super serious people on a panel like billionaires or people who manage billions of dollars under management. And then they'll have Twitter meme guys that just are like young people that yuck it up. And all they do is just post on Twitter all day. That's their job. So it's like it's a pretty it's a pretty wide range of uh, of topics they cover, and so some of them are I'm not into. Um, they do a whole mining side, they do a whole thing for industry, they do kind of like you know freedom, uh, independent stuff and personal sovereignty stuff, um, and then they do Bitcoin as an investment things, and there's always you know they try to do big announcements around the conference. Um, last year is when Jack Mallers announced El Salvador. Um, well, the president of El Salvador came on and, uh, and announced what they were going to do. So I'm like, all right, this will be worth watching. Um, and so I think 
from a high level, the Lightning Network stuff was a big overarching theme that popped up a lot in a bunch of different panels. Um, I, I haven't watched them all, but I've watched quite a bit. And um, and so the first thing to talk about, I think, is the Jack Mallers uh, announcements that he had, where he spent about the first half introducing Lightning Network and catching people up on how it works, which all it does is it takes whatever local currency you are in or want to spend in, it, it flips it into Bitcoin, it sends it to whatever wherever you're going to send it to on somebody else's phone, and then flips it into whatever local currency they're in. Um, so it's great for cross-border payments. It's how El Salvador is doing what they're doing. Um, so he spent you know the first half talking about that for anybody that wasn't familiar with it. And then he started announcing that Shopify is on board. If you don't know Shopify, they're like an internet infrastructure company that does the the payment struck the payment rails for a lot of e-commerce sites. So you probably use Shopify a lot. Uh, you just don't know it. Anytime you buy something online, I think I think their market share of online uh, e-commerce stuff is like. I don't remember uh, more than half of all e-commerce is on, on Shopify. Um, and so now you can use Bitcoin on Shopify or Shopify is using this is this is where like position doesn't matter, but trajectory does. Like if Shopify starts using the Lightning Network and starts paying almost zero percent fees. Then Shopify is going to start pushing uh, e-commerce folks to go to Lightning instead of Visa and MasterCard. And merchants are going to start feeling like, oh, 3%. I mean, 3% doesn't sound like a lot, right? Because it's like, you know, you tip 20% when you go to a restaurant or whatever. But if you're a business and you do five, $10 million a year, which is not a big business, you know, you're, you're talking about real money. Like you can hire additional employees if you save 3% on 10 million. You know, this is 3% on your top line revenue. So, um, you know, it's 300 grand if you're doing 10 million in sales. So 300 grand buys you a few high, high end employees or uh, allows you to grow your business. There's a 3% matters to the merchant. So, um, so Shopify is a big one. And then he announced that NCR, National Cash Register, which is uh, a company that handles about a sixth of the market's point of sale terminals, like when you go to Walmart and you stick your credit card in the slot, um, that's an NCR terminal, uh, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, you know, there's, they're, they're probably the major, uh, point of sales terminal hardware and software company. So they are going to integrate with the lightning network, which I think is a huge deal because now this is, it's not on the internet. It's not in El Salvador. You know, it's Walmart. Um, that's a big deal for adoption and for people. Bitcoin, I mean, you don't even realize it. Um, the cool thing about it is it allows you for you to buy things in Bitcoin. So you don't have to use your local currency. You could pay for things in Bitcoin, which I like because, you know, I'm trying to, I'm looking forward to, some tax exemption stuff in Bitcoin so that not every single transaction is taxable. And I think people these days kind of sit back and expect the government to do something. And then that allows people to do things like 
It's just not how it works, though. Like the government didn't say, okay, yeah, we're going to allow the internet. Go for it, right? The internet evolved and grew. And then eventually they're like, oh, we need to put some rules in place. We need to start doing some regulation. So, you know, it's it's most most things happen from the population and then the, the government figures it out and then realizes it's big enough that they need to get involved. And so this sort of thing kind of pushes the government to start making decisions of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, there's nothing that says people can't do this so they can do it. Now we need to figure out how to make sure they do it in a way that the government can, can eat, like where they can, they can justify like, okay, we're not doing this in a way that is detrimental to society and things like that. So to me, this is the way it's supposed to work, right? The innovation is supposed to happen and then the government reacts, right? You don't wait for the government to be proactive. And so, again, this is an announcement. It's going to take a while to roll things out. It's going to take, you know, a while for people to get used to it. It's going to take, a, you know, I don't expect it to be like, oh, boom, tomorrow you can start spending Bitcoin at, at any merchant. But this is the trajectory you want to see. Because you're talking about it's not some far some country that's far off. It's, oh, it's great for those people. They can do this. They can do that. Like 60 Minutes did a bit on Bitcoin Beach this week where it's like, great, Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador. So, you know, that's kind of far away. But this stuff's not, you know, McDonald's, Walmart, Chick-fil-A. I mean, it's the list of like Wendy's, uh, just normal places where you use your credit card. This is why Lightning was created to do small transactions, you know, and it was really, it wasn't created to be a commercial product. It was created to show the Roger Vares of the world that Bitcoin could scale. Bitcoin could uh, be used for small transactions and we didn't need to change the block size, right? This is like 2017 Bitcoin problems. And then it just kind of took a life of its own and they realized that they could send value across the planet cheap and easily and fast. And, you know, it's, it solved the settlement time problem of 10 minute blocks. Uh, it solved the number of transaction problem because you can do millions of transactions per second on the lightning network. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to see it keep continuing to grow and get adopted. I mean, NCR is, I mean, it's national cash register, right? Their company started prior to computers. And they've done a pretty good job of keeping that business alive and innovating and pivoting. And um, so for them to jump into, into Bitcoin rails makes sense. Um, and so more people will, will do it, I'm sure, right? Because again, once, I mean, you, $10 million, you save 3%, you got 300 grand. What, what's Walmart's revenue, right? What's 3% of that? So, you know, the Visa and MasterCard are going to need to pivot their business models pretty quick because uh, they're they're going to get run out of town. Well, I think still think one of the things that you talked about earlier, um, tax legislation has to change a little bit, too. So I know we've talked in the past about the government allowing up to maybe six hundred dollars be tax exempt when you spend Bitcoin until that happens. This is very difficult to use it just because of the tax consequences. Right. So. Once so again, happens, I, I, think... I, I think that that's another thing where it happens in the population and then the government has to be like, holy crap, we can't tax every five and $10 transaction. We have to go ahead. Like 
we have to make a de minimis tax exemption. Like, you know, you, again, you can't wait for the government to be like, yeah, it's okay if you do, you know, anything under 600 bucks, don't worry about it. People are just going to do it. I mean, I know people that are way deeper into crypto um, that don't track their stuff because they're like, I didn't track it for years. I can't go back and figure it all out. It's just, I'm in too deep. The, the government's going to come up with something that says, okay, here's a one-time penalty, a one-time percentage or whatever of your holding. And your, okay, your grandfather didn't, you're caught up and whatever. Like they they have to do something because there's a gazillion people into crypto that haven't paid tax. And uh, so to me, that's, uh, it's where the government's going to have to respond to what has happened just like this, where it's like, man, if you go in and you spend five or $10 in crypto on a, on a Coke uh, or a six pack, then guess what? Like, you're not going to track that. Nobody's going to track that. I don't think I would track that, right? Like, you start getting to a small level. It's like, man, it's it's in the wash. So I think the government will have to respond because this to me is like, it's almost like Bitcoin is de facto legal tender, right? Like, if if 20% of the merchants in America would accept Bitcoin, and they can, I can spend Bitcoin and they can receive dollars, right? They don't need to, they don't have to accept Bitcoin as a, uh, they don't need a wallet to transfer Bitcoin into. Uh, you know, if I go to Walmart and buy a TV, I can buy it in Bitcoin and they can receive it in dollars. The Lightning Network just changes it for them. So it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter if the merchants want it or not. It's now it, now it, is uh is people and if a merchant does want it then people don't people can spend the dollars and they merchant can receive the bitcoin so it, it kind of works either way to accelerate uh people getting what they want and it, it doesn't have to feel weird like okay well if you want if you want to spend bitcoin then you need to use this terminal and do it this way and if you want to spend on a credit card in us dollars you can do it in that or dire this direction um and so I'm kind of curious to see how this all works out. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's going to take a ton of time to get the, the software right and code it up and roll it out and all that. But um, you're, you're going to, you know, within a year, you're going to be able to spend Bitcoin and, and they're going to be using Bitcoin rails to transact a ton of, of value uh, through normal merchants. And I think that's good. Well, for people that want to get started on the Lightning Network now, too, I mean, we've talked about Strike in the past. Jack Mellers is the CEO of Strike. It's a simple app to download and probably one of the best ways to buy and sell Bitcoin just from a fees perspective. It's the cheapest way out there. Um, so I think the link that we'll put in there, you get like $10 for free. You can go practice buying Bitcoin and selling it for almost no fees. So um, really cool technology for sure. Yep. Yeah. Strike's great. Um it's easy to use. There's not much to it. Um, it kind of feels a little bit like Venmo too. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like you're using some weird cryptocurrency that you got to go to weird exchanges and do all this other stuff. It's like, it's a single app. It's like, it's dollars in Bitcoin. It's not like a hundred different things. Uh, so I, yeah, I think, uh, I think Jack Mallard is like late twenties and he's pretty much killing it. And as far as the, the impact he's making, on, um, on on companies like you know, on a global scale, so uh, that's pretty impressive stuff. Um, so that kind of wraps up the Jack Mallard piece, and I think that was probably the biggest announcement. Um, 
the other pieces to this uh, we can go through and we can talk a little bit about it. Um, I don't think you could skip Michael Saylor and Kathy Wood talking. Um, Michael Saylor is very bullish on lightning and how that will accelerate adoption. He's very bullish on the executive order from Biden that basically said, hey, uh, the United States needs to be uh, on the leading edge of this innovation. You go uh, do your research and tell me how we're going to do that, which is kind of, it's kind of like, like uh, yeah, I want you to go um, study why this is a good thing. And like, guess what? Guess what the reports are going to say? Oh yeah, this is a good thing because of X, Y, and Z. So uh, <laughs> the way that that executive order was written, he's he's pretty pretty good on that. Um, and then Kathy Wood, like I know Kathy Wood's taking a beating now because she's she's very pro Tesla. Her her Arc funds aren't doing well because she's such a long term like out there thinker that all the innovations um, are going to result in revenues but she's not really worried about how interest rates are impacting stock valuations. Um, so she's, she's almost like a, a kind of a deep thinker who is trying to be a fund manager. So it's like, she, she I don't know that, I don't know. I, I think that she's got some Swiss cheese in her approach, like, but she understands the, how you can look five and 10 years out based on kind of this, this short horizon uh, outlook that we have, like she, she understands Tesla's going places that other people just, they think they're, it's just a car company. Um, and so she's, whether you like her or not, she kind of, she was talking and uh, she had a $1 million price target for Bitcoin basically in the next eight or 10 years. So she did bring up Janet Yellen's change in attitude um, basically implying that somebody had gotten in her ear that, hey, this stuff's not going away. Uh, by the way, Bitcoin's definitely not going away. And cryptocurrencies, we need to figure out. Um, so the kind of the shifting of the Titanic to turn from a way like anti-Bitcoin and crypto to kind of more neutral where it probably should have started uh is kind of well underway and it's it's fairly well understood that that's 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 happening um i think both of them realize like the united states is the united states survived the removal of its manufacturing base by becoming like the information systems silicon valley of the world so now that that's kind of moving around the globe what's next and how does the United States capitalize on that from like a super high level economy standpoint. And so like crypto and electric vehicles are like the only hot economies right now. So, um, so that was one thing that they brought up and talked about was just how, how bullish they are on a long-term scale. And, you know, it, it kind of goes back to like Saifedine almost spoke and he talked about fiat and, you know, the problem I think with Bitcoiners is the longer they're in it, the more they talk about the distant future and how good it's going to be. And so the longer they're in it, the harder it is for people that aren't into Bitcoin to take them seriously. Because 
people that aren't into Bitcoin are watching their dollars inflate quickly and they're just spending money in dollars and they're in dollar mode and they were born into a dollar system and they, you know, they see, Oh, my house went up 25% in the last year or two. Like I'm, I'm richer now. And then, you know, they just haven't put everything together. And then these guys are coming in talking about what's happening eight and 10 years from now. It, it, so there's a big separation. So I think that what we talk about to try to bridge a gap between these people that have been in Bitcoin for 10 years that talk about what's going to be going on in 10 years, the stuff we talk about where it's like, Hey, you need to start thinking about us dollars and Bitcoin or us dollars and time, you know, and start to kind of break up like, yeah, you're born, you know, you're a fish, you're born into the water. Like you don't know what water is, right? People don't know what the dollar is. And so that's to me, like the first piece that people need to get into. So if you're new to Bitcoin, like, some of these things are neat. Some of them are going to sound crazy. Um, you know, and, and like, if you're like a serious person that isn't on Twitter or social media and you just work and do that, like, you know, there's, there was a panel of, of meme generating guys that just spend all day on Twitter making memes and funny videos and just replying to people's posts with them and try to get things to go viral. And if you're a serious person and you like, you kind of have to turn that panel off because they are, I mean, it just sounds like a bunch of high school kids talking about stuff that sounds stupid. Um, it works, right? It's like, like I'm not a marketing person. I'm technical. And I'm like, I turned it off. I'm like, this is dumb. Like, yeah, y'all can do it. That's great. But it's like this compared to Jack Mallers and, you know, billionaires talking about stuff like this isn't important. It probably is right. Because, that these are the guys that came up with stacking sats. They came up with um, a bunch of different slogans that have stuck, like everything divided by twenty-one million, stuff like that. Where it's like you know, kind of makes you makes you think. Uh, they did the laser eyes thing for where people on Twitter put laser eyes until Bitcoin hits a hundred thousand. So you know, it's stuff that sort of matters uh, from a marketing thing. It's kind of the fun side, I guess. That but. Um, you know, there's there's a panel for everybody in this uh, in this uh, Bitcoin 2022. Um, if you're into Jordan Peterson, he spent 30 or 45 minutes talking one on one. Um, super deep thinker. Uh, he's still kind of early into into understanding Bitcoin. Um, he hasn't dedicated a ton of time to it, but he understands it pretty well. Honestly, he said some things where he was basically saying, yes, Bitcoin has been released. It's a part of the environment. People need to understand it. But he is he was trying to tell Bitcoin people to hey, hedge this a little bit. You got to consider that Bitcoin has been released into the wild. You think it's going to do all of these good things. It, but you simultaneously, you think it's going to touch every single part of life and revalue real estate and gold and stocks and and it's going to be a new medium of exchange so people are spending it and he's like so you can't expect every single thing that bitcoin does to be good and to be exactly the way you think it's going to go um and so that was that was pretty interesting to me because it's like the unknown unknowns to what how bitcoin rolls out um but it makes sense to me because he's an evolutionary biologist 
he knows like, yeah, most of the things like that happen with animals and people happen because all the other stuff failed and got removed from the, the, the genetic sequence, right? Over hundreds of thousands of years. Bitcoin's 12 or 13 years old. So all the bad stuff hasn't been removed, been removed genetically. Uh, so I was like, man, okay, this kind of makes sense from his way of thinking. Anything new hasn't been proven, and things are proven in like the fire of of being, you know, out in the world and seeing what fails and whatever fails dies. And so that was kind of a, a kind of an interesting way to think about it. But then if you think too about what Bitcoin has gone through, like the hacks of exchanges and Mt. Gox. Okay, well that led to more security and 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 you know these hardware wallets and things like that. It survived um, the 2017, you know, trying to change the block size. That led to Jack Mallers creating the Lightning Network to show that you could use Bitcoin on small transactions for free and move more transactions than Visa and Mastercard. So it's like Bitcoin has a way of mutating or or creating things that solve these problems. But yeah, it's it's pretty young you know, relative to, to the stuff that, that he talks about. Um, but yeah, you, you really can't predict the impact on something that's, that you think is going to sweep through and change kind of the fundamentals of society and the economy. Um, so it's something to be worth, it's something worth thinking about. Of course, Bitcoin people did not like hearing that they might have created something that isn't perfectly good, uh, which I thought was like, okay, well, you're, you're proving his point. <laughs> like, you're not even thinking of what potential bad things could happen. You're only thinking of good stuff and you get mad when, uh, when somebody brings up that it might not be perfect. Um, so I thought that was pretty good. Uh, next Senator Lummis. Uh, so she's like the Bitcoin Senator from Wyoming. She's been very pro Bitcoin. She talked about how bullish she is that she's been leading the charge on, on educating Congress on Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin's moving. She basically admitted that Bitcoin's moving quicker in the real world than she can even educate people in Congress. But she did mention like Cory Booker's name uh, as a, in addition to some of the other the Toomeys and the other um, the Wymans, the other senators that have been into Bitcoin that are kind of been pro Bitcoin. Um, but I've never I haven't heard Cory Booker's name, which is a good thing because he's on the other side of the aisle, like. Bitcoin has been more friendly, um, friendly viewed by the red team and the blue team seems to be less for it. Like Elizabeth Warren won't even listen to anything that's positive about Bitcoin or crypto. And so to get a little more of these blue team players thinking positively about Bitcoin, I think that's that's pretty valuable. Um, She did say that a CBDC, a, a central bank. Um, digital currency is not likely for the United States because it kind of goes against everything the United States does. I mean, you know, freedom and privacy and surveillance and things like that. So that was kind of interesting to hear because I don't think I've heard that stated before. That's uh, super interesting. Yeah. That's uh, uh, been something I've been worried about for a little while now, but that's good to hear. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting. And it shows me that she is thinking and she does get it because she said, you know, she thinks that stable coins are going to fill that gap for a digital currency 
and it makes sense for America to use stable coins instead of a central bank digital currency because it's it's like it's a private uh, innovation, and that's kind of what the United States is built on, and so they can regulate stable coins in a way that they can become used as digital dollars. And so to me, like to me, that regulation, she didn't bring this up, um, but it seems like, all right, there's, there, here are the rules in order for you to be a stable coin that's used in the United States. You need to be backed by dollars and U.S. treasuries or what, you know, you can't just say you're a stable coin and be an algorithmic stable coin that's not that's not based on uh you know us dollars or us equity or uh, probably not even equities but some like bonds or something that that's kind of a guarantee and if you can do that then you can be a stable coin and that solves the the digital currency piece for the us dollar so that was pretty neat um it does mean to me that stable coins are kind of like the JP Morgan stuff like that are probably going to get into the stable coin game. Um, that's, I don't, you know, who knows where that goes, but it was, it was good to hear that like there's people in the government that realize that a central bank digital currency would be a, a, a bad idea for, for the population. So that was Senator Cynthia Lummis. So again, like I listen to more serious people, um, there's a lot of less serious things to talk about. Um, so there was a group of billionaire fund managers. So these are people of their high net worth people because they handle billions of dollars of other people's money. Um, I can't remember exactly who was on it. There were quite a few people. Um, they all agreed that bonds are garbage, which is kind of what we've touched on before. As interest rates go up, bonds have to go down, values of bonds go down. Um, so, this is a change in a 40 year trend and a lot of people are not going to adapt. So um, the, there was uh, there was a, a guy that um, basically said the, the holding bonds is dead. So for the most part, the 60, 40 portfolio, 60% equities and 40% bonds is dead. Um, people have to do something. They, uh, some of these guys were managing, funds that are in uh, pensions and sovereign wealth funds. So basically they kind of admitted that there's some sovereign wealth funds that are into, into Bitcoin and they were, you know, it's at the Bitcoin conference. So they were pretty pro Bitcoin, but they, they did mention that they, they're into some other like Ethereum and things like that as, as stores of value. Um, one, one guy, he was pretty interesting. He, um, He's like an internet guy, and then he quit that to jump into mobile. Uh, he was like the CEO of Sprint T-Mobile when they merge. And then he recently quit his mobile job, and he spent the last few weeks strictly looking at Bitcoin. So he's like, he's the kind of guy that adapts quickly. Um, and so... You're, you know, that's like one case, but it's happening a lot where you're losing talent from other industries because they're getting sucked into Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, it's happened in the banking industry. People are leaving traditional banks to get into crypto, DeFi and things like that. It's happening to tech industries. People are leaving sort of social media companies to get into uh, Bitcoin and crypto startup stuff. Um, 
so you know this guy's he's not going to be a leader uh in the well so he actually went he he, he's leaving the artificial intelligence industry so he went into ai so he went from mobile to ai from ai into crypto um so now he's focused on bitcoin so that's that's uh, uh, the talent shift is is kind of well underway um the the cool thing was you know there's these guys are money guys like big money guys old traditional you know they made their money the old school way of trans either growing businesses and adding value or uh managing people's money and adding value and they they're like yeah you know we, we used to say two percent of your wealth should be in bitcoin or crypto uh, now we're up to 10% for, uh, for an allocation into Bitcoin and crypto. And several of them mentioned like, yeah, you know, 40% of my, uh, my personal assets are in Bitcoin. So these guys are like, these guys are in deep and they're, uh, you know, these aren't people that have $10,000 in savings, right? So they're, they're, they didn't get where they are by losing money and they are, 10 to 40% of their net worth is in Bitcoin. So that's a, um, that's a, that's a pretty valuable piece of information. And then, so Greg Foss was the uh, moderator for that. And he's like the, the guy that's like, this is 11th grade math, like it's bond math. It's not hard math. Um, and his point was he, he got into Bitcoin, you know, early on uh, a little bit. But now that Bitcoin is, you know, in that $40,000 range, it's like it's a better risk-adjusted investment now than it was at $1,000 because a lot of the risk has been removed, but there's still a ton of upside. And they all talked about the asymmetric bet of, in Bitcoin of, yeah, you, you're, you're likely to make a lot more money than you are likely to lose. And... Uh, and honestly, they kind of made the point that I make, which is like, where are you going to put your money if you, if it's not Bitcoin? You know, are you going to hold cash? Are you going to, you're not going to put it in bonds unless some, you know, unless you're, you're planning, you want to lose some money. Equities are not in great shape as interest rates rise. You know, real estate's high and interest rates are going up. Plus foreclosures will be hitting the market. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to buy gold or are you going to buy Bitcoin? Like, that's kind of that's kind of the decision uh i don't i don't know that they said that but that's kind of where i'm at it's like that's pretty much the only thing you can do um and then the last panel i want to talk about had it was on macroeconomics uh had jeff booth jeff ross and mark moss um and then and they reiterate and bonds are at one and a half percent inflation's at least eight percent probably 15 so bonds are guaranteed losers uh, and short term, everything sucks. Like even they talked about, like yeah, Bitcoin's probably going down. Everything's going to probably go down. It's going to uh, going to be a really rough year for anything investing financially. Um, and you know your cash is inflating away. Uh, bonds are going down. Equities are going down. Even commodities, you know, they jump one day and they crash the next. Um, so uh, their their point was, you know, just buy Bitcoin and fall asleep for five years. Like that's kind of the, the strategy to long-term uh, macroeconomic success right now is there's just, nothing's good. 
you know, things are, things are kind of crashing. Um, so that was kind of the, the Bitcoin conference for me. Um, there's a bunch of stuff they talked about. Uh, they had a panel with like, uh, maybe Serena Williams and some athletes that were getting paid in Bitcoin. I didn't watch that, but that'd be interesting for some people. Uh, you know, there's quite a few that I bring up here that, uh, that would be, be interesting. A lot on mining, uh, where they're doing interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, it, there was, I was pretty impressed. Um, there's, you know, if you wanted to just get an update on where Bitcoin is today, if you go to YouTube and go to Bitcoin magazine, uh, they've got a ton of videos of these panels where people talk, people talk, and I I'd recommend just going through them and listen to them. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. Go find another one you like. Uh, because it's, I don't know, I don't know how many people go to conferences for their industries, but that's kind of how it is. There's different tracks that you can, that are, if you're interested in, you go listen to those panels talk and they're industry experts, uh, and they're moderated so they don't get out of control. But I think they did a good job of not losing their, um, their train of thought and arguing on panels. I mean, there was one that had like Andrew Yang and Joe Jorgensen, you know, it was kind of like Bitcoin in politics. And they disagree on a lot of things, but they would basically admit, yep, we disagree here, but we're, you know, we're not going to talk. We can talk about this later. We're not going to waste all this time talking about the things we disagree on when we effectively agree on Bitcoin. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's plenty, of, uh, plenty of good content. And it's just nice to listen to people talk. And it's fairly like you're actually getting what they think. You're not getting 10-second sound bites uh, where they're yelling at each other and arguing. It was – it's. It's pretty good. It's pretty good to watch. So I'd, I'd recommend it for anybody that's trying to get into Bitcoin. Yeah, and no, one of the other things that I um, saw or heard about was Robinhood came out with an announcement um, about crypto and, and adding, I think, uh, Lightning Network into their integrations for their wallets. But uh, one of the things they talked about, too, was last year, the number one thing bought by their users was Bitcoin. So while that's exciting, what they didn't talk about because it was at Bitcoin 22 is three of the top six things that, that were bought were crypto. So Ethereum and Dogecoin were the other were I think number three, number six, right? So yeah. crypto is definitely becoming a very popular thing um, in a lot of different places. And it's, it's really interesting to hear up to the uh, 40% of your wealth since um, of, uh, I'm an early adopter. <laughs> 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 yeah like it's one of those things when you listen to this stuff it kind of doesn't matter where you're at you're like i wish i had more you yeah. know um and uh but uh, you know i think i think we've got a kind of a rough couple of years economically coming um so there'll be some buying opportunities you know to get to increase your position in, in bitcoin and then when things come back i feel like bitcoin leads so that was great. Uh, ton of information and a lot of nuggets from Bitcoin 2022. So really appreciate that. I'm, I tried to take a bunch of notes as well. So we'll put some of the highlights in the show notes, um, including hopefully the link for the YouTube location where people can go directly to that and watch. Um, man, this is there's a ton of information to, to, to take out of that. And I think probably a few other topics that we can dive into further in the near future, uh, one of which being stable coins, which hopefully we'll take care of that one 
next week. Um, but yeah, thanks for the recap. And um, anything else that we need to leave the audience with? No, I think, uh, you know, it's about trajectory and not position. You know, I mean, you got to look where things are going. Um, it's, it's, it's very bullish to be in Bitcoin. And, you know, when you're in it long enough, you stop looking at the price every day because, you know, it's it's just going to go up eventually. So it's, um you know, it's a long-term decision. Um, and this isn't financial advice, but if you're going to get into it and you think you're going to trade and get rich quick, I, I, I think that, I think that those thoughts should be fading. I think people should be, view it as, you know, you don't trade your savings account, right? You put money in it and then whenever you need it, you go dip into it. That's, that's the way I think it should be viewed is you just accumulate and when you need to use it, you use it. And it, it shouldn't be a short time period from the time you buy to the time that you're, you need it. And one other thing that I uh, forgot to mention, um, I think Lightning Labs got about a $70 million cash infusion to start working on integrating stable coins and NFTs into the Lightning Network. So I'll be interested to hear how that goes, but uh, it kind of goes with the theme of Bitcoin 2022, which was the entire Lightning Network and, and how that's going to change the world. Yeah. Hopefully in a positive way, although I'm sure there'll be some negative ways too, according to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, Hal, thanks for joining and uh, looking forward to talking next week. Great. Thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.